0: hello everybody and welcome to charts with dan back on its regular day and time as you can probably hear at the very least i'm feeling much better Than I was last week, and I'm going to start catching up on a lot of things. I just tested negative for the first time tonight before I started filming this episode, so I'll be heading back to the theater soon to check out Nope, which was the number one movie at the box office, and which I'm very excited to see. We're going to talk about that opening this weekend. We're also going to talk about Thor, Love, and Thunder, how it's doing. We're going to talk about how Top Gun Maverick continues to do lots of box office news. But before we get to any of that, I want to thank my partner for today's show and for the shows the last several months once. Carbon Health. I had a big reminder last week just how important health can be and healthcare is also extremely important. That's why I love being a partner with Carbon Health here on the show because they are committed to making healthcare as accessible and affordable to as many people as possible. You can download the Carbon Health app right now to see if there's a Carbon Health location near you. Even if there isn't, you can do things like telehealth using the app, which is a huge help when you can't quite make it out to see your primary care provider. As always, so happy to have Carbon Health on board here. For charts with Dan, and let's now look at the box office for this past weekend. We knew that the number one movie was going to be Nope. There were some that had estimates right on the $50 million mark, it didn't quite hit those numbers. It instead debuted at $44,366,910. That is the final tally from the box office weekend. A lot of people pointing to the B Cinema Score on Nope as one of the reasons why it didn't quite hit that $50 million projection. Something to keep in mind, Us, which was Jordan Peele's last movie also had a B cinema score and Get Out had an A minus cinema score these movies fall squarely in the horror genre I think still they're at the very least horror adjacent and so the cinema score is a little bit different for horror films than they would be for a usual film because you have a different audience showing up with different kinds of expectations which as we've said before is what cinema score is all about so I wouldn't take that B cinema score in the same way that I would something like a four quadrant blockbuster like a Marvel film Uh, these are still kind of based on the X Expectations of the horror crowd, which is a very fickle crowd, and also Jordan Peele, not really that interested in making his movies uh, mainstream accessible to everybody. He's a very singular filmmaker. I've tried to stay away from as many details as I can about Nope, but it sounds like this movie is in the same vein as his other films. So just a lesson there, really. The cinema score is not a one size fits all thing. Still, forty four million dollars in the middle of the summer movie season for an original movie, and we'll look at that. Coming up, the idea that this is a movie that opened to number one uh, that is not based on any preconceived intellectual property is still pretty impressive. Thor Eleven Thunder in its third week takes a 51.7% drop with $22.5 million. Actually, not too far behind Thor is Minions the Rise of Gru, which is holding fairly strong in these later few weeks. 32.8% drop with an $18 million total in week four. Where the Crawdads Sing had a nice hold. 40% in week two and a $10.3 million total that's good enough for fourth place. And then still hanging around that top five in its ninth week with a 16.6% drop, the best hold of any movie in the top 10 is Top Gun Maverick with a $10.2 million total in 5th place. Looking at six through 10, Elvis had another really strong hold, 17.7% in its fifth week to make $6.5 million good enough for sixth place. Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, not really breaking through to a wider audience. It takes a 38.7% drop in its second week with a $3.8 million total. The Black Phone hanging around nicely in week five with a 34.7% drop and a $3.5 million total. Jurassic World Dominion still in the top 10 in week seven with another $3.1 million And Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, spends a second week at number 10, With a nice 27.9% drop, it did have a bit of an expansion this weekend and a $1.4 million total. So let's talk about original films, because that is something that we've talked about with Jordan Peele since he started making movies. What do I mean when I say original films? I'm talking about a movie that's not based on a book or a short story or any kind of a pre-written thing, nothing that existed before this movie. It's not a sequel to another movie. It's not a biopic. It's not based on the life of somebody. It's actually not a direct adaptation of any kind of historical event, like Titanic for example, this is a wholly original idea and Jordan Peele has now made three of them, and so it shouldn't be surprising that Nope is the latest of his films to open at number one. It is the highest opening this year for an original film with its $44.3 million opening. You see there The Lost City is number two with $30.4 million, followed by Dog starring Channing Tatum with $14.8 million, Moonfall at $9.8 million, and then The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, at $7.1 because it referenced Nicolas Cage films, but it was not a direct sequel or a spinoff of those films. But you know me. I get caught in these little gravity wells of research and numbers, and so I thought, well, that's good for this year. But let's go back and look at the last five years. What are the highest opening original films in the last five years? Well, it's no surprise that number one is another Jordan Peele movie, which would be Us, which opened to $71 million, followed by Coco with $50.8 million, then A Quiet Place, With $50.2 million. Then we have Nope at $44.3 million. And then this is a borderline one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I say that it counts because it is not a direct depiction of historic events. It is a spin on those historic events, but it is almost entirely a work of fiction. So I had $41 million as the fifth highest opening for an original film. And this goes back to the year 2017. So it covers the last five years. But then again, you know me, I wasn't content with just the last five years what about all time? What are the highest opening grosses for original movies ever when you go back and look? Now, this is not adjusted for inflation, so I'm I'm sure if you were to go back and adjust things like, for example, Star Wars or Indiana Jones, then they would be higher than these numbers, and maybe I'll have time to do that at some point, but this is non-adjusted numbers. I've done some research along these lines in the past, and I always forget what the number one movie is, and it always surprises me every time. But the highest opening for an original film, a film based on an absolutely original concept ever is The Secret Life of Pets. It's actually the only one that ever opened to over $100 million, a $104.3 million opening. Again, this is all time. At number two is Inside Out with $90.4 million. Avatar comes in at number three, the highest rated, I guess you would still call it live action sort of film with $77 million. Zootopia is number four with its $75 million opening. And then we have Jordan Peele. He still has the fifth highest opening for an original film all time for us, and it's $71.1 million opening, and the only one really that doesn't include any kind of uh, animation or, or wizardry as far as you know what you see with Avatar, that is a pure live action film. So in a very short time, Jordan Peele has really made his mark as far as original films, and uh, Nope is just the latest in that series. So we will see what he has next, what he's cooking up next. Is it going to be his first adaptation for a movie, or is he going to keep making these original stories? I'm anxious to see this one, and I'm also anxious to see what his next one is going to be. Before we go any further, I'd like to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Mint Mobile. Most of us are caught up in the net of big wireless and how many times have you been promised great service or a great deal only to find out later on down the line that there is a catch? Yeah, that's right, most of the time. So when I was approached by Mint Mobile and I heard that they were offering premium wireless service for $15 a month, the first thing I thought was, well, what's the catch? But after doing my own research, after talking to Mint Mobile and after using their service, I finally figured out the catch is there's not one. I gave Mint Mobile service a try and I was honestly shocked at how much I've been paying for wireless service because isn't that really what you need more than anything else? Wireless service? That's what Mint Mobile is in the business of providing and I found that I had good reception, the talk text, the data, everything worked great. It was like I didn't change anything except for how much my mobile plan costs, which was significantly less. All plans come with unlimited talk and text with high speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network and you don't have to start over. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Merle. And I want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. Let's kind of look at the opposite, which is the most successful franchise running right now, and that is the MCU. We've been tracking Thor Love and Thunder as it goes through its weekend progression, and we've also been looking at Phase 4. And there's something that's very interesting when you look at these numbers, which is that, as we saw last week, the drop-offs for Phase 4 have been higher. ...than almost any other movies in the MCU, generally. There have been one or two outliers. But they've also been holding generally well between the second and third weekend... ...which suggests that the overall trend is a little bit more toward the front-loading in week one... ...and maybe not necessarily the entire theatrical run... Let's look at the holds from Weekend 2 to Weekend 3 for MCU films. Spider-Man No Way Home actually had the best hold from Weekend 2 to Weekend 3 of any movie in the MCU. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings also had the second best hold for any MCU film from Weekend 2 to Weekend 3. You see there Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness just outside the top 10 as far as uh, strong holds between 2 and 3. And then you see Thor Love and Thunder there, a 52% drop-off that is better than uh, about a third of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it holds better than black widow and better than eternals but also keep in mind the two biggest drop-offs from weekend two to weekend three were both thor films thor the dark world and thor ragnarok so thor love and thunder actually holding the best of any movie in the thor franchise from its second to its third weekend and if you were to look at the thor franchise just on its own, just clip out those four movies and just look at it on its own terms, then this is actually what you would want to see as far as box office performance, because this is the run of each of the four Thor films through 17 days, and you can see that each successive Thor movie is running better than the one before it. The bottom line in blue is the original Thor. The second line there in orange is Thor The Dark World. The red line is Thor Ragnarok. The black line is Thor Love and Thunder. Each one is running higher than its predecessor. Now, there's a big gap between Thor The Dark World and Thor Ragnarok because we saw a big jump as far as the tone of those films, etc. Those are the two Taika Waititi films uh, on the top there. So on a franchise level, a Thor franchise at least, Thor Love and Thunder is what you want a fourth movie to do which is to take the success of the last film and build on it and not kind of have that thing where the next one catches up with it we'll see how it does as we project out into the long term but there's one big thing with this movie that i wanted to bring up and it's sort of also in context with the entire mcu which is that we can't just talk about how it's doing through 17 days in the mcu without adding an essential ingredient and that's budget because thor love and thunder had a massive budget it actually had the same reported budget 250 million dollars as Captain America's Civil War, which, when you think about those two movies, the size of their casts and everything else, is kind of mind blowing. I was sitting here trying to figure it out myself where all of that money went not that Thor 11 Thunder looked cheap it's just when you look at those two movies how did they both cost the same amount of money and yet reports say that they do and this is something to keep in mind okay so this is the MCU through 17 days this is a bit of an overwhelming chart so we're going to break it down just a little bit the blue line is the gross through 17 days the orange line there the bar is the budget and you see there that the highest budgeted MCU film all the way there on your left is Avengers Endgame. It had a $400 million budget, but you can see also through 17 days, it had grossed over $700 million, so that was a pretty smart investment for the MCU. You see Spider-Man No Way Home through 17 days had vastly uh, outpaced its $200 million budget. Same with Avengers Infinity War, same with Black Panther, same with the original Avengers. It's not until Age of Ultron you see there where that huge MCU budget had not really been surpassed that much by the time you get to day 17. Through 17 days, Age of Ultron, which was budgeted right around $350, 375000000 million, the gross of that film was only right around that point through 17 days. Of course, Age of Ultron did end up making a lot of money, but I think it's very instructive to see that blue line and that orange line and how close they are, because it kind of shows you how quickly Marvel is getting a return on their investment. So let's move down the line here a little bit more. You see Civil War there, it had a $250 million budget, the same as Thor Love and Thunder. It had made around $350 million through its 17th day of release. The same with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, a $200 million budget. It had made about the same as Civil War through 17 days. Iron Man 3, also a $200 million budget, had made about the same. Captain Marvel had a slightly lower budget and was over $300 million through its 17th day of release. Same with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Spider Man Far From Home had nearly doubled its budget through 17 days. And then we come to Thor, Love, and Thunder, which you would look at this chart and say, like, oh, well, you know, through 17 days, it's doing about as well as Spider Man Far From Home home and a better than spider-man homecoming and iron man 2 but you can see there thor love and thunder has just barely out earned to this point it's 250 million dollar budget whereas movies like spider-man homecoming iron man 2 and even thor ragnarok cost a lot less so you see that blue 17 day gross clearing the orange budget bar by a lot more. And I think that that's one thing you have to take into consideration with Thor 11 Thunder, and maybe that Marvel has to also has to talk about too. Just about any movie studio on this planet of Earth would love to, through 17 days, have a movie that's approaching a $300 million gross. That's just great business. The only thing that mitigates that is the fact that Marvel put $250 million into this movie, which means you have to get just that much more out of the box office in order to make that money back. And so that would be the only thing that I would really kind of throw a flag on with Thor 11 Thunder right now. It's not really that it's underperforming. I don't think that it is. It's that they spent so much money on this one movie. It puts that much more pressure on it to not just do well, but do exceptionally well. I don't know what the budget sheet at Marvel looks like. I'm pretty sure they're doing just fine. Um, They're probably in the black. But at the same time, you have to be careful about throwing just vast amounts of money at every single project that you make, especially when you look at some of their more recent projects. Eternals, uh, probably one of the first movies, Marvel movies, to lose money because it had a $200 million budget, very doubtful based on the box office returns that it was able to meet that figure. And I know it seems like Marvel is invincible, but you're only invincible until you're not. You don't have To take things off of the schedule, you don't have to cancel projects, but I do think you have to look at the money and say, can we continue to invest basically an unlimited amount of funds into each one of these projects, or do we have to look at perhaps budgeting a little more tightly? I think you could have probably made Thor: Love and Thunder for two hundred million dollars and not two hundred fifty million dollars. I think you could probably find that budget in there, particularly because it sounds like there were a bunch of people that were in the movie that. I'm sure got paid to be in the movie that didn't even make the final cut. Those are shooting days. That's paying the crew. That's paying people to do visual effects that are never seen. Those are expenses that pretty much go to waste. Now, every movie has deleted scenes, but I I, I do think perhaps that the era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe being able to do anything that it wants and not having to worry about the economics of it all, we may be at the tail end of that. They may have to go back just a little bit to saying, Let's make sure that these are sound economic uh, investments uh, before we just throw all of this money into each one of those projects. So an interesting look at budget versus gross. One movie that doesn't have to worry about its gross or its budget is Top Gun Maverick, which is still in the top five, nine weeks. And that is like a 1980s style summer performance, perhaps fitting because that's when the original top gun movie came out we've been looking at how it's done historically uh, versus other movies in their ninth weekend and wide release and we see there uh, yes if you were to adjust the grosses of home alone and et the extraterrestrial they would be higher but still no other movies since uh, has been able to hit these heights during the summer movie season or any other season. You see Titanic there with the best ninth weekend and wide release at $28.1 million, followed by Avatar with $23.6 million, Top Gun Maverick in third place with $10.2 million, then Home Alone in fourth place with $9.8 million, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial with $9.5 million. And something that Top Gun Maverick did do this past week, we talked about it last week, is break into the top 10 highest grossing films of all time, Dem- Domestically, it knocks Star Wars The Last Jedi off of the list and it's actually number 9. So it's also jumped over the Avengers to become the ninth highest grossing movie of all time. It's about $18 million behind Jurassic World and about $25 million behind Titanic. I would say that it's got a shot at passing both of those. Now does it have another $43 million in the tank to catch up to Avengers Infinity War? I I I'm not sure, but then again, this movie has done things that I didn't think it would do its entire run. So it is 100% possible that is able to pull that off, but I think it's likely perhaps that Top Gun Maverick settles around number 7 on the Top 10 domestic grossing films of all time, still an incredibly impressive showing from this movie continues to be, when you look at the movies that were available in my local market, which I've been doing now every week this is uh, for Sunday, July 24th, there were 219 available showtimes, Top Gun Maverick was still number 5 on that list, 8% of all showtimes this past Sunday, you see that nope by far the most available movie in my local market with 24% of all available showtimes allocated to that film Minions the Rise of Gru actually at number 2 with 13% and Thor Love and Thunder at number 3 with 12% so you see at least in this market theaters choosing to keep Minions available for family showtimes especially uh, even more than Thor Love and Thunder where the Crawdads Sing was the 4th most available film in my market then we have Top Gun Maverick followed by the Black Phone Elvis and Pause of Fury Jurassic World Dominion commanding 5% of the available showtimes then Mrs. Harris goes to Paris with 4% Marcel the Shell with shoes on which finally made it to my market I'm also hoping to see that this week uh, with 6 showtimes and then all other films matching Marcel the Shell's uh, showing with 6 showtimes as well So Top Gun Maverick continuing to make an impressive box office gross and continuing to be available more than huge movies that came out after it including Lightyear uh, from Pixar which is essentially gone from theaters at this point it'll be hitting Disney Plus pretty soon when we look at the box office numbers in total this weekend and how it compares both to last year and the five year average of 2015 through 2019 you see we are still well below the average number uh, where we usually are at this point in the summer movie season that's boosted by Movies like The Lion King back in 2019 and others were much closer to where we were last year back in 2021. Much of August has been basically deserted by a lot of the studios. No huge tent poles, although we have things like DC uh, League of Super Pets this upcoming weekend and movies like uh, Bullet Train uh, coming up in August. But I think it is uh, very possible, perhaps, that we stay below this blue line for the next few weeks, although you never know. We could uh, we could have a movie that pops and we go back up over that average Uh, But I think we still had a good summer so far, and then we'll see how we do in the fall season and then going into the holiday season. Hard to believe that we're already talking about the fall movie season. When we look at the box office market share total in 2022, uh, Universal picks up another percentage point, really based off of the debut of Nope and the continued performance of a lot of its other movies in the marketplace. It is now the box office market share leader for this year. It was tied last week with Paramount. They both had 24%, Well, Paramount gives back one of those percentage points this week. Universal now commanding 25% of the box office market share for the year. Disney Fox in third place at 20%. Warner Brothers and Sony both right around the same place at 13% and 12% respectively. And then you see all other studios with 7% of the box office market share for 2022. So Universal now claiming the sole box office crown for now, although there's a lot of 2022 left to go. Let's look at the per theater averages for this last weekend. You see Nope with the biggest per theater average, $11,722 in 3,785 theaters. Thor 11 Thunder is still in over 4,000 theaters with a $5,162 per theater average. Then Minions The Rise of Gru with $4,727 per each of its 3,816 theaters. My Old School, the only movie limited release that makes the list this week in just one theater, making a $4,364 gross, which is a lot lower than you would usually see for a movie uh, that is just playing in one theater nationwide. And then Top Gun Maverick with $3,250 in each of its 3,160 theaters. So 3,100 theaters still show, it's basically still in Wide release nine weeks in, and those theater owners are still being rewarded for showing Top Gun Mavericks because the audience keeps showing up. Let's look at movies that were in specialty release or limited release. These are movies that were in 1,000 theaters or fewer. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris actually was in. Two theaters more than the requirement. It was in 1,001 theaters, so it's not on this list because it was in just over 1,000 theaters. That clears the way for Marcel the Shell with shoes on to take number one in 590 theaters in its fifth week of release with an $874,000 gross. Fire of Love almost now in 100 theaters. Uh, Go see it if it's near you in its third week with a $133,000 gross. Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song returns to the Chart in 64 theaters with a $64,000 total. My Donkey, My Lover, and I in 51 theaters grossed $30,000. Very important where you put the commas in that title. My Donkey, My Lover, and I. Just for absolute clarification, the donkey, not the lover in that equation. And then both sides of The Blade, which is the newest uh, Claire Denis film in 37 theaters in its third week, making $15,800 and four dollars one chart that hasn't seen a lot of change for a while is the 2022 limited release chart so movies that played in those 1000 theaters or fewer well this week we had some changes mrs harris goes to paris i mentioned it moved out of quote-unquote limited release but its total before it hit those extra theaters was enough to put it at number four on this list with 3,304,985. so numbers one two and three bts person to dance kgf chapter two and cyrano remain the same Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, advances three spots to number four. That bumps the worst person in the world down to number five. Then Marcel the Shell with Shoes on debuts on the chart at number six. Crimes of the Future drops two spots to number seven. Everything Everywhere All at once is limited release window at $2.3 million drops down two spots to number eight. Parallel Mothers drops down one spot to number nine. Umma drops down to number 10. And then we lose Drive My Car uh, from the chart entirely. So an awards season, darling. That won't be on the chart. This is also the really 70, almost 75%, three fourths of the way point through the summer movie season. And we had a little bit of movement on that chart. The top five remained the same Top Gun Maverick, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World Dominion, Minions, The Rise of Gru, and Thor, Love and Thunder. Then Elvis moved up to number six over Lightyear at number seven. I would have predicted a lot of things going into the 2022 summer box office. Elvis, outgrossing the latest Pixar film, would never have been on that list. Not on my bingo card. At number 8 is The Black Phone. Nope debuts on the list at number 9. And then Downton Abbey, A New Era, dropping down one spot to number 10. We lose the Bob's Burgers movie. After many, many weeks on the chart, it drops out of the top 10 summer movies. When we look at my predictions, I have now correctly predicted 8 out of 10 movies In the 2022 Top 10. Although I have yet to actually get any of the placements right. There's still some adjustment that may happen with these movies. But I have not predicted any of them in the correct placement. Still. I can't think of another summer where I've gotten three-fourths of the way through and not lost one title off of my entire list, although the, I was big wrong on some things, including Lightyear up there at number four, and then having Maverick all the way down at number five, but a lot of summer movie seasons still to happen. Maybe I'll lose one of those movies. We don't know yet. DC League of Super Pets, which is one of my movies on the top ten, opens this weekend, and then Bullet Train, which opens in a couple weeks, is the last movie that I put on my top 10 list moving out of the domestic marketplace let's look internationally so these are all markets outside of the united states and canada minions the rise of grew actually returns to the top of the list it opened in a couple of markets uh, that are very minions friendly uh, including japan south korea taiwan uh, overall those markets made over 50 million dollars for the last minions movie and doing well for this one as well in addition to the countries in which it was already open thor 11 thunder goes down to number two with 31.8 million top gun maverick is at number three with 16.4 million detective versus sleuths at number four with 14.9 million and then lighting up the stars from china at 11.6 million at number five When we take our domestic marketplace and the international marketplace, we smash them together. We get the worldwide marketplace for the past weekend. And Minions the Rise of Gru retakes the number one spot. It is the number one movie in the world. Just a 15.6% decline from last week. Again, largely because it's opening in some new markets with $60.1 million worldwide. Thor 11 Thunder takes a 49% drop in week three with $54.3 million. It's the number two movie in the world. Based on the strength of its domestic release only, Nope is number three on the worldwide chart. Then we have Top Gun Maverick, which drops just 15% from last week with $26.6 million in fourth place. And Detective vs. Slews with just a 17.8% drop from last week at number five. Looking at 2022 as a whole, domestically, we have Top Gun Maverick as the number one movie of the year, and really one through eight haven't changed, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number two, The Batman at number three, although Jurassic World Dominion looks to eminently be taking that number three spot, Minions the Rise of Gru at number five, Thor Love and Thunder at number six, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Uncharted at number seven and eight, and then we have Elvis taking the number nine spot, and Lightyear, dropping down to number 10. So Lightyear now in peril of dropping off the 2022 domestic top 10 worldwide again not a whole lot of change top gun maverick at number one now approaching 1.3 billion worldwide dr strange in the multiverse of madness looks like it's going to settle at right around 955 million dollars again that's without china and without a lot of other countries so not a bad result for that film top gun maverick for that matter as well jurassic world dominion at number three with 921.7 million dollars followed by the batman at number four minions the rise of Gru is now the number five movie of the year worldwide with $640.2 million. That drops the battle at Lake Changjin 2 down one spot to number six. Thor 11 Thunder, gunning for that number six spot at number seven with $598.6 million, so just shy of $600 million. And then we have the group of three movies that are all clustered right around $400 million, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted. When we look at the last 365 days worldwide, so you take today's date, you roll the calendar back 365 days, these are the top 10 movies over that period of time. Spider-Man No Way Home remains number one, and will remain number one, although you never know. Something could pop up and bubble up there, but uh, I don't know. We'll see with $1.9 billion 221 days on this list Top Gun Maverick is at number 2 it's now been on this list for 50 days Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number 3 Jurassic World Dominion moves up one spot to number 4 with it's $921.7 million gross that moves the original Battle at Lake Chungjin down one spot to number 5 along with No Time to Die which is at number 6 these are the two oldest movies now on the chart with 299 days so just a little bit over two months until uh, they rotate off the chart the batman is at number seven minions the rise of Gru has now been on the chart for seven days with 640.2 million dollars the battle at lake chungjin 2 is at number nine it drops down one spot We have Thor Love and Thunder debuting on the chart with $598.6 million, and that retires the previous longest-running movie on the chart, Venom Let There Be Carnage. It did make 300 days on this chart, but couldn't quite make it the full 365 days. It is dropped out by another character from the Marvel Universe, if not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Before we move on, I want to thank another sponsor for today's show, MeUndies, which is a name that you've probably heard all over the internet, on podcasts, on YouTube, everybody's talking about MeUndies. It's actually a barrier to my professionalism because, you know, I'm lucky enough to shoot things from home, you just see me from here up on the desk, usually I'm lounging, I'm lounging more than I've ever lounged in my life because this stuff is so soft and so comfortable. And MeUndies doesn't just make underwear, they have your whole wardrobe covered, from durable socks that your feet will love, to super stretchy loungewear that I may or may not be wearing right now, to tees, shorts, and rompers that add a little softness to your everyday, MeUndies products are available in sizes extra small to 4XL, with tons of colors and prints, so you can make MeUndies your destination for all things soft and sustainable. And MeUndies has a great offer for everybody who watches and listens to my show, for any first time purchasers you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns to get 20% off your first order free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee go to meundies.com dan that's meundies.com dan d-a-n and put your order in today that's meundies.com dan to get your order in today before we look at the movies that people are watching through various different streaming services i like to do a flashback at a weekend in box office past and we are going to go back not quite 10 years but to a weekend with a lineup very similar to this summer's we have ant-man at number one it debuted to 57.2 million dollars on this weekend seven years ago then we had the original minions movie in its second week with a 49.2 million dollar gross the amy schumer comedy train wreck debuted to 30 million dollars on this weekend in 2015 then we had inside out which is hanging around after five weeks with 11.5 million dollars and right behind it jurassic world which is hanging around with 11.4 million dollars so still a big competition between those two movies but it's very funny when you look at the summer lineup for 2015 you had an mcu movie a minions movie a pixar film and a jurassic world sequel and then like one original movie which sounds kind of similar to the lineup this summer and probably kind of similar to the lineup a lot of different summers. It is kind of a mix and match plug and play thing at this point as far as which movies you're going to get which years. The shortage of actual original movies is a constant when you look at the box office for really any year and any period in the last, let's say, two decades or so, maybe longer. Okay, let's look at what people are watching through various streaming services, and we'll start with the top rentals and purchases on the iTunes store. At number one is Jurassic World Dominion, which is currently available for purchase and premium video on demand, which is those high-priced rentals same with the black phone those are both movies from universal so they're part of that window where uh, they go to the streaming services a little bit earlier this d- dates back to the earlier days of the pandemic when they worked that out with theaters everything everywhere all at once is at number three followed by the bad guys and the northmen the unbearable weight of massive talent is at number six the lost city and uncharted return to the well chart at numbers seven and eight the Batman is at number nine, and Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is only available for purchase on digital platforms, is at number 10 after having a top five debut last week. Let's see what people are watching over on Netflix. These numbers are delayed by about a week. So this is July 11th through the 17th. In its second week on the streaming service, the sea Beast put up an impressive number. 68.1 million hours watch for a PFV of 34.4. PFV, if you're just joining us, it means potential finished views. So a PFV of 34.4 means that 34.4 million potential Netflix viewers could have finished viewing the Sea Beast, A new Netflix movie, Persuasion, at number two. With a PFV of 15.8, followed by the Netflix film Girl in the Picture at number 3. Valley of the Dead, a new Netflix film, at number 4, with a PFV of 10.6, followed by the first season of Resident Evil on Netflix, does not apparently seem to be very well received either critically or by fans, but its first week had 72.6 million hours watched. That's good enough for a PFV of 10.2. Dangerous Liaisons is at number 6, followed by Stranger Things 4. It had the highest number of raw hours watched, still over 102 million hours watched, with a PFV of 7.9, because it is a very, very long season. The Man from Toronto at number 8, with a PFE of 7.2, followed by Sing 2, still very popular on the streaming service, with a PFE of 6.7, and the Netflix series Boo Bitch at number 10. I hope I put the emphasis on the right words there. I, I kind of put my own spin on, On that title, looking at the most watched Netflix programs for 2022 in total, The Adam Project remains number one. Stranger Things two remains number two. That P F V though is creeping up closer to the Adam Project's Hustle enters the 100 million P F V club. 100.7 Netflix users now could potentially have finished viewing that film. Bridgerton season two at number four. The Tender Swindler at number five. Senior Year at number six. The Man from Toronto moves up one spot to number seven. That bumps Ozark season four down one spot to. Number eight, 365 days, this day at number nine, and inventing Anna at number 10. When we look at the most watched Netflix programs since they started sharing the hours Watch data back in June of last year, Squid Game season one still the easy winner with a PFE of 279.2. Red Notice at number two. Don't Look Up at number three. The Adam Project at number four. But we now have Stranger Things four cracking that top five with a PFE of 119.7. That drops The Unforgivable down one spot to number six. Hustle moves up one spot to number seven, dropping Money Heist part five down one to. Number 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 eight, Bridgerton season two remains at number nine, and the tender swindler stays at number 10. One of the newer metrics we've talked about here on the show are the Nielsen ratings. Now, these measure the United States only. Two minutes or more constitutes a view, and as has been noted, number one, not all streaming services are reflected in this report, and it does not measure certain types of viewing, which probably mean that uh, these numbers are even higher than are being reported. We also have a delay of about a month when we look at the dates here. This is for June 20th through June 26th. These are the most watched movies streaming in the United States, and you see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is easily the most watched streaming movie with 23.8 million hours watched in the United States but Sing 2 on Netflix which also debuted this week 21.1 million hours so it gave Doctor Strange a run for its money as far as the number amount of time that people were watching these on the various streaming services The Man from Toronto is at number 3 with 15.8 million hours watched then we have Spiderhead at number 4 Hustle at number 5 the 2017 adaptation of It hit Netflix and is good enough for number 6 with 5.2 million hours watched The Mist also on Netflix with 4.7 million hours watched. Encanto, this is really the first challenge we've seen to Encanto's dominance on this list. It slips down to number eight with 4.6 million hours watched. Love and Gelato at number nine with 3 million hours watched. And then Chicken Hair and the Hamster of Darkness at number 10, actually tying Love and Gelato for the amount of hours watched. Then we look at the most watched streaming shows in the country, Stranger Things on Netflix. Keep in mind, this is still when it was between volumes, June 20th through 26. 49.1 million hours watched in the United States. This is all seasons combined. So this is 1, 2, 3, and 4, which is probably why it's so dominant here on this chart. At number 2, A Distant Second, Peaky Blinders on Netflix with 15 million hours watched, followed by The Boys on Amazon with 13.2 million hours, Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus with 12.2 million hours, God's Favorite Idiot on Netflix debuting on the chart with 10.8 million hours, then Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey at number 6, Ozark on Netflix, returning Turning to the chart with 8.8 million hours, followed by First Kill on Netflix, The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix, and Web of Make-Believe on Netflix with 5.6 million hours watched and that does it for charts this week there are a few entertainment options for you this upcoming weekend as I mentioned there is the animated film DC League of Super Pets which opens nationwide the BJ Novick podcast crime drama Vengeance which I didn't really know much about but saw my first trailer for a couple weeks ago it looks interesting Resurrection which wasn't exactly my speed but features a fantastic performance from Rebecca Hall I think that's the only performance she knows how to give is opening in limited release and also a love song which is a very very small little movie uh, which I found to be quite sweet also opening a limited release so if you're in a market where those are playing I think those are both worth your time and then uh, one streaming option uh, available on Hulu is the film Not Okay starring Dylan O'Brien and Zoe Deutsch. I've also got a lot of stuff coming up this week I'll be checking out Note pretty soon and I'll bring you my thoughts I think it'll probably be one of those non spoiler spoiler review hybrids since A lot of people have seen it. It'll have been in theaters for several days by the time I get to see it. I'll also be putting out my Star Trek Picard review this week. I super-duper promise, I swear, I double-dog swear, it is coming out this week. I'm putting the finishing touches on it right now. I'm excited for you to see it. And who knows? I may check out some of these movies that are coming out, DC League of Super Pets and others, or anything else that really strikes my fancy. Um... I can really do whatever I want. That's kind of the pleasure of uh, having this channel. Thank you, everybody, for being patient while I was on my way back. As you can tell, I'm pretty much there, pretty nearly there, um, and I will be making up for lost time. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to hit subscribe. Share this video if you like it. Hit the little bell thing so that you know when I'm actually making new videos. Apparently, you're not notified all the time. I don't know how YouTube works. I just work here. However you decide to watch, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Until next time, stay safe. And I'll see you then. Bye.